Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Hello. My name is Stephen Baker. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to see some new faces here tonight and old faces, although all the old faces aren't old, you understand. But it's good to see people who are visiting uh, family from out of town. We're glad all of you are here. Uh, in addition to being the, one of the pastors here at Trinity Reformed, I'm also the dean of New Geneva Academy uh, that trains where we train pastors, train men to be pastors uh, here in this church and other churches. And this year we have four men uh, who are in residence with us who are studying. And it's always been our practice to have one of those men preach to us in this service uh, so that we can get to know them and, and um, they get opportunity to preach. And so this year we have Daniel Coglin. Daniel is from uh, eastern Kansas. He's not from there, but that's where he comes from most recently. And uh, if you've not met Daniel and his wife, Tamara, and their six children now, one very, very young and new. Um, here they are right here. And please get to know them and love them. They've, they've picked up and moved here uh, from halfway across the country. And um, that can be quite, quite a lot of work and trouble, as you can imagine. So love them and welcome them. Uh, they also have some family here tonight. Uh, Daniel's mom and dad and brother and sister-in-law are here. So please welcome them. Daniel, please uh, come and preach to us. Good evening. Um, I'm happy to be here for uh, Thanksgiving Eve service. Uh, this is our first, so I'm looking forward to the... Uh, well, the singing and, and the word of God and, and a time for Thanksgiving and, and pie. So, um, uh, I mean, we're here. It's the, it's the day before Thanksgiving. We all know tomorrow is, is when we gather, you know, generally, with, uh, historically, for 159 years, uh, with family and friends, eat a big meal. Um, and so uh, for the text, uh, we're going to, um, if you have a Bible, let's open to First Thessalonians uh, 5, verses 14 to 18, um, and to kind of set the table here, um, this, this text reminded me, uh, we've been going through Romans 12 and, and during the Sunday services, and, and Pastor Bailey and Pastor Weeks have been, have, have been at Romans 12 for, for a bit now, and, uh, and, and, and the text there is to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I, this, this text just fits really nicely with, with that instruction. In fact, Paul actually uses, um, I'm not sure, I've got a screen right there, I can look at that. Um, he uses the, some of the same words, never pay back evil for evil. So if, if you're here on Sunday, you'll hear that gets repeated here. Um, both were written by Paul, uh, 1 Thessalonians and, and Romans, uh, and not too far apart in time. So it makes sense that, that there's overlap in instructions. Okay, so without further ado, um, here is the text of 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, 18. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays 
another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So this text it comes from, as I already told you, the, the letter to the, uh, that we call First Thessalonians. Um, it's, it's a tender, encouraging letter uh, that Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, they're the authors, they introduce themselves. They write to encourage and strengthen the believers. They're undergoing persecution in their church. Um, but they're doing well. They're, 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 they're faithful. They're doing well. Uh, and this is right at the end of the letter. And this is kind of a list of, of dues, of reminders, of encouragements. And I thought on the, on the cusp, on the eve of getting together with family uh, it would, and friends and, 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 and being thankful, it made sense to kind of look through these, these instructions, this list. Because what Paul's saying here, I'm, I'm going to say Paul, even though there's, there's maybe three authors, um, is, is you must be actively engaged in building each other up so that you might continue to live a joyful, prayerful, thankful life. And that's the point that, that I, I want you to hear tonight, is that whether it's tomorrow's Thanksgiving meal or shopping on Friday or family on Saturday or back here in church on Sunday or back to work on Monday, we've got a task, we've got a responsibility, and we have an opportunity. And it's to build each other up actively, not passively. I mean, we're not looking at, we, we need to know who's around us. And we need to know that God has put those people in our lives for a reason. So the people sitting next to you tonight, the people you'll sit at a table with tomorrow, God has ordained that that's come together. He has orchestrated these people for you and, and you for them, right? That, that goes together. But he doesn't want us to just be passively with each other. He wants us to know each other. He wants us to know and acknowledge and address the struggles and the weaknesses that our brothers and sisters in Christ have and our family and our friends, our neighbors, so that, so that we, are, we are not just floating through life. We are actively engaged in this community. And so uh, the other thing that I think is important to know here is that he, he's uniquely prepared you in your life for that purpose, right? There's no standard course of being a, a, a Christian, of living this life. And some of us have struggled with, with, with one thing, others another. And so, you know, it, we've just had a new baby, and so there's all these new baby things that come along with that. And so, what's, what, who's the best person to come alongside and help and, and to see the weaknesses and address those? Well, they're people who have gone through similar struggles. So we have that opportunity because of the struggle that we've had previously to use that to help, to encourage, to warn, to instruct someone else. And this, this is hard though because all of the things in this list pretty much are unflattering things, right? No one wants to be most of the things in the list. And we'll get, we'll get into what those are and, and how to address them. But these are the things that we try to hide from other people because they're not, they're not good things. No, you don't want to be faint-hearted. You don't want to be unruly. 
Right? These, are, these are things that, for good reasons, um, we, we tend to hide. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's not like Pilgrim's Progress where everybody walks in with a, hello, my name is faint-hearted, hello, my name is disruptive. Um, and, and depending on how good you are at hiding, it might just peek through at times. So it might be, you know, those people who know you the best, who are the closest to you, that have to, that have to see that and address it. As some of the rest of you, uh, it might not be so, so difficult to identify what, what the issues are that need to be addressed. Um, but maybe those are harder to address because you think that it's so ingrained in the person that, that there's no point. Um, but we're not given that opportunity. Uh, God tells us that this is our duty. This is our responsibility to those nearby us is to address each other, to love each other actively. Um, and, and then, again, two more things before we get into the actual text. Um, this isn't just on the pastors and elders. If we would have started uh, in verse 12, they're addressed separately and, and they're given uh, their accommodation, their, their, um, uh, their esteem uh, for the duties that they have. So this is really on all of us. All of us have this responsibility to be watching out for and loving each other in an active way. Um, and, and then the other thing is, this is just uncomfortable, right? Uh, I mean, it's uncomfortable for me, e- even with my children sometimes. Like, I, 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 want, to, I want to just ignore the problem. Um, you know, so certainly... A, 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 you know, a more distant family member, someone I'm not personally responsible for, uh, or I don't think I am, uh, or, or you know, a, a parent, a neighbor. This, this, it's hard to do this. So that's why we're getting the encouragement to do it. Uh, and, then, and then one last thing um, before we get into the list is it doesn't have to be done in an offensive, insulting way, right? You can serve dry turkey and it's hard to chew it and swallow it. Or you can serve it with gravy and cranberries and mashed potatoes, right? You can, you can, you can make it so it's, it's a palatable, loving, charitable instruction, encouragement. It doesn't have to be, it's not repaying evil for evil. That's, that's not what this is. Um, so let's go through and look. So the first, the first is warning the idol. Yeah, admonish the unruly. Sorry, it takes my eyes a second to, to focus when I, when I look up there. Um, so, right, we, we can, uh, so warn the idol. I am. Um, thanks for your patience as I recollect my thoughts. So, surely I'm not the only person who's seen an idle person at a family meal. Right? I mean, you have a person surf, surfing social media while, while the, the, the meal's being prepped or they're starting Black Friday shopping before the table's cleared. Um, so it's important to warn these people for their own sake and for the sake of those um, in the family or in the community. Uh, for their own sake, because it's not good to be idle. God created us to work, and he created us to work six days and rest on the seventh. That's, that's the creation um, structure that we see, and that's, that's what God has given us as an example. So it's not good to be lazy and idle. Um, it's, it's also not good for those around you, right? Because what, what does it do? It encourages more laziness, more idleness. It adds extra work on the people who are around you. It makes you, people resentful of the person who's lazy, and so you're, you're growing bitterness in the hearts of those. So by the simple act of addressing the person who's lazy or idle, you 
you're improving not just the person themselves, but you're improve, improving the whole community, the whole gathering. And hopefully um, it's, it's, it's not lost that while I'm talking about a Thanksgiving meal, this also applies to church and all of life, family, all of that. So the next way um, is, is by disciplining the disruptive. Um, and so when I think of, of disruptive, I think of you know, three-year-old boys uh, running, throwing, playing, whether they're eating or whether they're playing, they're, they're generally disruptive. Um, but it can e- just as easily be a, a college student who comes home for, for the weekend and, and needs to instruct everyone in the proper way of thinking. Um, or, or maybe it's the grandparent who drinks a little too much at meals and, 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 and gets disruptive. So uh, this person needs care and attention too. Warn them, discipline them. It, it doesn't mean to scold or berate, but just let them know that they're, they're breaking down the structure of, of, of the meal, of the gathering, of the family, so that they know, so that they know that you know. And so you can address it. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's, maybe there's things that, that also need to be addressed. But, but if you don't address, if you don't warn them, if you don't discipline them, then, then you just, again, you build up that resentment. You build up that, those, those calluses that, that prevent you from having those hard conversations. Um, the next one on the list is, is, I think, the most easy to do, but the most difficult to identify. And it's encouraging the faint-hearted or feeble-minded, um, uh, some translations have. have. Uh, so, so that's not a, a word we use very much. I don't use it, faint-hearted, feeble-minded. Um, but it's interesting. So, so one of the Israelites' laws of warfare was that the faint-hearted should be removed from battle before battle started. And why is that? Uh, and, and the reason that, 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 um, that I believe it's Deuteronomy, I didn't write it down, uh, but that, that, we, that Moses gives, that God gives, is that he might make his brother's heart melt like his own heart, right? So, so the, the, I mean, we're not, we're not in active battle, but the way that, that, that I think we can apply this is we've got whole industries built up around making people fearful about the future, about supply chains, about COVID, about vaccines, about... about elections, about racism or anti-racism. Uh, I mean, there, there is no end to the ways that you could be afraid for your future today. And, and I think that fear, if that fear makes us melt, if that fear makes us turn back, then that's, that's faint-hearted. So be careful. And if you see that in someone, what's the encouragement here? Or what's the instruction? It's to encourage them, to build them up. To, to, to help them, solidify them, make them more, more solid so that they, that they can stand, that they don't melt back. The weak. This is, this is a, kind of an easy one, too. Um, who is weak? So this is different than being faint-hearted or feeble-minded. A weak, we're talking more of their constitution, so they're, they're, they're sick or they're elderly, right? And there's all sorts of easy ways. If you're going to go for the easiest one, this is the easiest one. Open the door for people carry their full plate, clear their empty plate. I mean, these are all just easy ways that you can accommodate someone who is, who is physically weak. And then be patient with everyone. So, right, maybe you've had some of these earlier conversations, 
and they didn't go so well, or there's no change. Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Or are, are you going to be patient with the person? Are you going to persist in loving them and in, in actively caring for them? So be patient with them just like you want God to be patient with you as, as he sanctifies you and as you grow from your sins. So each one of these uh, exhortations, though, requires that we know each other, right? You can't Again, the name tag thing, it's not there. You have to know the person. You have to see it in them. You have to love them enough. You have to listen to them. You have to care for them to see it. And then you have to love them enough to address it. And then also be careful to not become the fault police, right? Because we have, we have instructions like Proverbs 19.11 that says, um, it's a man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it's for his glory to overlook a transgression. And then 1 Peter 4.8 that says, uh, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So be careful that you don't think that everyone who sits down for a minute's rest is idle or that someone who brings up a sensitive subject, they're not necessarily disruptive. You have to, you have to know the person. You have to know, is this, is this, is this part of their, their character? Is this, is this something that needs to be addressed? And so if we do that hard work of, of living in active community with each other, I, I think the next verses here, if we go down to 16 or 17, let's go to 16. This, is, this becomes the fruit of that joyful, prayerful, loving community, is that the fruit of the hard work of loving each other, of warning, disciplining, talking, having those difficult conversations, is a community, a, a fellowship, a unified fellowship that, that is calling out to God in joyful thanksgiving. And so we do that in this constant, because if, if you look at this, it's rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. These are not just one-off things. These are always, all the time, in everything. And so, if you're in Christ Jesus, then you should rejoice. You rejoice because you've been forgiven. I, we, we, we come in here on Sundays and we repeatedly read from the Heidelberg Catechism, the first question, which is beautiful, that our only comfort in life and death is Jesus Christ has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from tyranny of the devil. So be filled because you've been washed clean of your sins. And then, if we go back to 17, if you're in Christ Jesus, then pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray because the God of all creation has adopted you as a son, as a daughter, and desires to give you good gifts. And this is a time we're gathering together with family, and and how, how easy it is to ask your parents for a favor, right? Um, we, we had our first child, and, and we, were, we were living in Mexico at the time, and we were a long way away from, from family, and, and th- there wasn't really anyone to ask favors of. I mean, we had, we had a little bit of community, uh, but then, then we moved to Kansas, and we were right next door to my wife's 
parents, and it was super easy, right? I mean, babysitters and food and, and almost anything. And now we, we just had, had another baby here in, in Indiana, and my, my parents came down this week. And so again, it's, it's really easy to ask family in general for, for, for a favor. So that should, be our, that should be our pray without ceasing. We're asking God our Father, just like we ask our, our earthly fathers. But okay, not everyone has a good relationship with their fathers, right? So when we were in Mexico, we worked at an orphanage and, and it was amazing. It struck me. We had a, she was 12 years old at the time. And when she got angry with us, she would, she would tell us that, that it was her, her father that was going to come rescue her from, from us because of our discipline. And it struck me that even though she hadn't met him, there was still that longing for a, a, a fatherly relationship. So, I mean, I, I think that's where, I mean, we have that natural inclination, even if it hasn't been brought up in us, even if it hasn't been fulfilled, we still have that longing to be able to ask a parent, ask a father, that, that, we, should, that we should take joy and satisfaction that we can ask God as our Heavenly Father. Okay, and the last one, uh, verse 18. If you're in Christ Jesus, give thanks. And clearly this is the reason that I was drawn to this, this set of verses here, because it's a Thanksgiving service, and this verse tells us to give thanks. So the, our thanks should be the overflow of our recognizing the good things that God has done in our life. But it should also be the overflow of our knowledge of who God is. Because things aren't always good. Sometimes things are not good. Um, the last few weeks in our home have been difficult. Uh, we, had, we had a baby who was born a little bit more difficult than we were used to for nursing, and that, that creates this whole host of, of, of problems. And then, then our furnace went out. Then our engine went out in our van. Um, so so it, are we supposed, supposed to give thanks in these things? Am I supposed to give thanks in these things. So in everything, give thanks. So the answer is yes. We are to give thanks in everything. We are to thank the God who sustains us. We're to thank the God who gives us, you know, cars in general. I've had a car that's worked for, for years and, and we didn't get stranded on the side of the highway. We, we, we have a furnace because we rely on that. It's cold here. And so we have fuel that goes in and, and burns and becomes fire. And that warms our house. And we give thanks for that because that exists at all. We give thanks for repairmen and supply chains that maybe eventually bring us the parts we need. Uh, we give thanks for nurses and midwives. We give thanks for a, a church community that doesn't let us wallow in our own despair. We give thanks for the first five children who didn't struggle to eat. We, we give thanks that we can even talk to a God and call him Father. So we give thanks in all things, even the mundane, even the disappointing, even the devastating. Even in pandemics, we, we give thanks to God for sustaining us. We give thanks to God for uh, the possibility of, of a hopeful future, of gathering back together, because I understand this, this service didn't happen last year. And now here we are again. So, in conclusion, um, we're to be actively loving those around us, helping, encouraging, warning them. We need to observe them so that we can do this. 
And by doing the work, we, do our, we fulfill our, our God-assigned duty to our neighbors, and we best prepare ourselves for a day of feasting and thanksgiving. We can best enjoy all of God good, God's good gifts when we have a clear conscience to let the praise of our, of our unified fellowship call out to him with joyful thanksgiving. So I'm looking forward to hearing the thanksgiving that, that you all share today, and thank you for... for welcoming my family here and, and, and being active church community, active Christian community for us. So thank you.